Hey, I'm Steve Follen. Thanks for listening. This episode is supported by the podcast host. Check out their range of courses, one-on-one mentorship, mastermind groups, and even production services that can help you get a podcast off the ground or grow it even further. There's a link to the podcast host at beingfreelance.com. Right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance for writer Vivian Crow. Once you've got a foot in the door... You must never, ever, ever let that go. You know, you've got to keep on, keep sending them ideas. And maybe they don't want anything for a year or 18 months, and then they come back to you. My, my work is my life, and my life is my work. So it's very hard to see the line between the two. But, I mean, I, I, love, I love what I do, so that's not a problem for me. Yes, hello. How are you doing? Hope you're good. Just to remind you, tickets are on sale now for New Media Europe 2016, which is a conference in London in June. And I'm going to be one of the people appearing there, kind of doing a live version of this show. So if you enjoy this, hopefully you'll enjoy that. It'll be a like a panel discussion rather than just one person that I'll be speaking to. But other than that, it's all about being freelance. But the conference itself is for solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, however you define yourself. Check check out the website. There's a link at beingfreelance.com and see whether it's a conference that you'd like to be at. And if it is, let me know where you're going and we can catch up there. That would be cool. Right, let's crack on, though, and chat to this week's guest, who is up in the Lake District, very beautiful part of the UK, because she is a specialist outdoors writer, and that is Vivian Crow. Hey, Vivian. Hi, Steve. How are you? Good. I'm good. good. Let's start about how you got started being freelance. Right. Well, I mean, I've been a journalist since 1990. So it's about, well, 1991, I think I actually started. So it's about 25 years now. Um, And I worked on local newspapers, magazines, uh, all sorts of things up until 2001. And that's when I decided that I'd really had enough of desk-based jobs and uh, decided to go off traveling. Me and my partner, we gave up our jobs and we trotted off to Asia for a year. Um, You know, we'd saved up for a few years beforehand. Um, But basically, when we came back, neither of us really knew what we wanted to do. I sort of fell back into subbing. I was a sub-editor on a local newspaper before I left. Um, So I sort of fell back into that on a freelance basis. Um, But then I suggested to the editor at that newspaper that I was working on, the the News and Star and the Cumberland News in Carlisle, I suggested that they, they start a walking column. Basically, walking was one of my favourite things in the world. So I thought, oh, why not? You know, give that a try. And um, he, he, he was pretty keen on the idea. And eventually we managed to get it all set up and I started this walking column. And basically everything just followed from there. It was, I never really had a plan as such. I mean, I, I wanted, to be, wanted to be freelance. Obviously, I'd come back from travelling and uh, thought, well, I'd quite like to be a travel writer. Um, not that that was terribly practical once I, I realised what, you know, you know, the sort of lives that travel, travel writers lead. Um, but I wanted to be freelance. And so the, the walking column was the first step in that, really. And then everything just followed on from that. One thing after another, I, I got a, a book contract. Uh, I got a contract to do a walking guide, basically, uh, on the back of the walks I'd been doing for the newspaper. And then various other things followed as well it was all it was partly about being in the right place at the right time sometimes for instance on one occasion it was just because I'd been into an office to visit um, somebody who'd 
being able to help me on, on a particular walk. And I went into his office and somebody else in the office approached me and said, ah, oh, you know, I've seen your column in the local paper. Would you fancy doing some work for us? And that was the beginning of a completely new element of my work, which was interpretive work, really, um, writing leaflets and little guidebooks and interpretation panels for tourism bodies and and conservation bodies and that sort of thing. And it was just, uh, things just followed one after another and then the magazines, all st I started approaching magazines and, and got one contract after another. And now I have uh, quite a lot of regular work, which, which keeps me in, in bread and butter, basically. That's awesome. So you were able to create a freelance career around the, the passion for being outdoors. Mm -hmm. How did that first book come about? You know, I can't actually remember, but I know I had, I sort of picked up on the fact that this company called Discovery Walking Guides were doing books in the UK. They'd previously done books for the, um, um, for the Mediterranean Islands, walking guidebooks. Um, and I, I approached them, I can't remember exactly how I heard about it, but I approached them and said, you know, do you want a book on the Lake District? And again, um, they said, oh, okay, right, well, you know, do you know the Lake District well? And I was able to say to them, well, look, this is what I've been doing for the last, I think it was by then I'd been doing it for about two years, the walking column in the local paper. And that's how that first one came about. Since then, I've done, I think it's about, I think last count it's about 18 books. They're not all <laughs> walking guides to the Lake District. Some of them are travel guides. I've done a, a did a couple of chapters in a guide to the um, a Frommer's guide to Scotland, and I've done various other bits and pieces, um, but they've all come about in completely different ways. Normally, publishers approach me and ask me, you know, would I do a book on this particular subject? Because your names become sort of synonymous with that area now. Um, yeah, or, or because I've worked with them or colleagues of theirs in the past. Yeah, so it's some of it is word of mouth, which is which is re a really good way to work. And and have you had to put yourself out there, for, for example, for collaborations that you do with tourist boards or or whatever they might be called? You know, when you said the interpretive type leaflet type work, do you contact people about that? Do you have to market yourself at all? I have done a little bit of marketing on, on that side of things, but most of that work seems to come in through my website. Um, for instance, like I was saying earlier, um, on, on one occasion, like I say, I popped into this office to, to visit somebody. Somebody else said, ah, do you want this work? Uh, and I took on that work. And then from that, that job, um, somebody who then went on to work for Scottish Natural Heritage got in touch with me and said, do you fancy doing a leaflet for us? Um, so I did some work for Scottish Natural Heritage and then that went on my website and then somebody else um, did a Google search under Scottish Natural Heritage, a uh, copywriter, something else and something else and they came up with my name. So I ended up working for another agency that way. So it's all sort of, it's been kind of complicated the way I've found work sometimes but it's all sort of one step leads to something else. And you, you obviously started out as a journalist, as a writer. Have you added sort of strings to your bow as people have asked for them? Um, photography has been the main thing. I mean, I've always enjoyed photography, but a lot of the places that I work for require words and picture pa packages. 
So I needed to brush up on the photography skills a little bit. So I have been, I've been to quite a few workshops, photography workshops, and picked up a lot of tips from colleagues who are photographers as well. So that is one of the things that I've had to, uh, had to work on a fair bit. Um, it's, uh, the writing comes a little more naturally than the photography, let's put it that way. <laughs> As Corvos, you've been able to teach yourself or, you know, go on courses to, to add that. So, like, lifestyle for you, like, what, what's a typical day? I, I have this vision of you, like, living in some, you know, lovely remote cottage in, in the middle of a lake district or something. <laughs> Do you know, I'm going to look out my window now and describe what I'm seeing, Steve. I can see the garden opposite me is full of ooh, daffodils and snowdrops at the moment. But basically, I'm looking at a three-bedroom semi-detached house <laughs> in Carlisle. And that's, that's where I live. I live in Carlisle. Um, so, yeah, nowhere terribly exciting. But a typical day is, uh, well, I don't really have one. Um, but basically, I get out on the fells as often as I can, get out into, into the countryside. Um, so that's two or three times a week. Uh, in the summer, it tends to be more like three or four times a week. Winter, once or twice a week, I guess. Um, so I'll get out and about quite a lot. Um, and then the rest of the time, I'm at my desk working, you know, writing like anyone else or, or pitching or whatever, you know. When you're pitching for work, what might that look like? Um, well, mostly I'd be pitching to magazine editors uh, because that's always something that um, I seem to need to keep keep working at, basically. I have regular people that I work for, regular magazines, um, and so I'll pitch to them on, you know, on a monthly basis or, or, or as I'm trying to do now, more like on a six-monthly basis, so we just have a, a run-in programme of, of walks or features or whatever. Um, and then I'll have um, some of those, uh, some other publishers, some magazines that I'll work for, you know, four or five times a year, and I'll pitch to them every now and again. And then there's, I do also try on a regular basis to gain new clients. So I'll approach new magazines. I'll sort of, I'll set aside some time for that every few months to have a good go at new magazines, you know, and say, right, you know, I've got a list of five here. I'm going to get that one done and that one done and, you know, try and really focus on that. It doesn't always pay off. You know, I might get I might get one or two commissions out of four or five approaches like that. Um, but a lot of my work does come through through my website or through word of mouth now. So uh, th- there's less pitching these days than, than when I first started. That's a good place to be. Though it's not a bad hit rate, to be honest, is it? Does that sound good to you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you're sending off five pitches, you maybe get to do two of them. That's yeah, it's be- better, than, better than none. Um, <laughs> especially if those people then come back to you. You know, it's the start of a relationship, isn't it? But you're, Yeah, that's you're right. right. That's the thing. That's, that's the key thing as well. Once you've got a foot in the door, you must never, ever, ever let that go. You know, you've got to keep on, you know. As soon as you've sent a feature, you, you know, you want feedback from somebody. And you say, it and they'll say, if they don't like it, then fair enough, you find out why. But if they ha- do like it, then you, you keep sending them ideas. And and maybe they don't want anything for a year or 18 months. And then they come back to you and say, oh, you remember you did this for us 18 months ago. Well, we'd like something else similar in that in that vein. Or or can you do, you know, something in a different area or, or whatever. And I notice you've done like... Um, uh, pieces you know like journalism pieces which are traveling around the world not just in you know your patch of the UK and mm. is that where you've you've just gone on holiday and thought do you know what how about I do this at the same time 
It's been a little bit of that, although um, I also work, work, I've travelled quite a bit for my work as well. So if I am going to be travelling for work and I know that it is a work-related visit that I'm making, I will always try to make every trip pay. So if I'm going to research a book, for instance, on, let's say, the Pembrokeshire Coast Path, which I, I did recently, then I'll make sure that I've got a few magazine features as well that will help to pay for the initial trip because uh, guidebook writing, sadly, don't get advances with guidebook writing. So you've got to pay for it all up front. And then, you know, the royalties hopefully will will pay in and, and that will pay off. But the features will be centred around that trip largely. What would you say has been like the biggest challenge or challenges in being freelance? Well, I guess at the moment, uh, one of the things that's on my mind a lot is the fact that print media is 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 on its last legs, sadly, uh, and so I do need to find some new new markets. Um, I mean, I've, at the moment, my my career doesn't seem to be suffering for uh, for the downturn in, in the print media, although I'm aware of magazines, related magazines, going out of business and, and publishers going under and, and that sort of thing. So that's something I've always got my my eye on new areas to work in. Uh, but I guess one of the biggest day to day challenges, because I'm I'm writing I'm writing in a niche market, and within that niche market. I specialise in a tiny little area that's been written about uh, so much for the last couple of hundred years. I mean, it's 33 miles east to west, 40 miles north to south, the Lake District, basically. And um, so it's it's quite difficult finding new stories um, in that area. So when I do find um, a new idea, a new angle, then the buzz that, that then comes from finding that angle and then researching it is really great, actually. I've just done a feature, for instance, about the sense of adventure in relation to Arthur Ransom's Swallows and Amazon's books. So that involved me going out and researching routes in the Coniston Fells, basically in search of adventure, which is, which is a great thing to do. It's a, it's a fantastic way to live your life, basically. Yeah, cool. Okay, listen, we'll chat more in a moment. Let me just remind you that this episode is supported by the podcast host. In fact, you know, Colin from the podcast host is going to be at New Media Europe, he was telling me the other day, which is the conference in June. So you can ask him about it yourself there or check out their website. There's a link at beingfreelance.com because the podcast hosts have everything you need to start a podcast or grow the podcast you already have. So if you're thinking of using one to benefit your freelance marketing or perhaps just to get a side project off the ground. We spoke to Mike Hintz recently who uses one for his Howler side project. So whatever the reason, if you've been mulling it over, they have courses, they have one-on-one mentorship, they have mastermind groups, and they even have the ability to take the production of it off your hands so that you just need to do the talking. You can find out all the details at beingfreelance.com. Follow the link to the podcast host. Uh, Back to this podcast, though, and to Vivian. I'm wondering whether, because you said about... The, the sort of magazines or the print media that you work for uh, being in decline. But mm. at the same time, outdoor living and everything st- still seems like a pretty strong thing in people's lives. Is there like digital version, be it blogs or apps or YouTube videos relating to walking that you can now repurpose yourself for? 
Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of new opportunities out there. Um, uh, video video based blogs, uh, for instance, about walking. Um, some of those are quite successful. At the moment, I mean, I, I have uh, plenty of work to uh, to keep me fed with a roof over my head, so I'm quite happy doing what I'm doing. But it is something that I keep thinking, right, I need to gain more skills. Video is something that I keep looking at, uh, and um, and it is something that I would like to, to improve quite a bit, because my, my video skills are limited at the moment. Um, so I think that's that's going to be an important part of, of the future for me. Mm. Um, but, but sadly, one of one of the problems in outdoor writing is that there's a lot of a lot of stuff available on the internet that's free, um, and and there isn't a tremendous amount of money to be made from it. So that's that's going to be a challenge in the future. I feel. Mm. I noticed a lot, uh, you know, on your website, you've won a fair amount of awards. Congratulations. <laughs> but <laughs> is that where publishers have put the work forward? Or have you been trying to win those awards, if you see what I mean? Um, well, in four cases, I think it's four, uh, they're actually awards that I, I won through the guild that I'm a member of. So it's the Outdoor Writers and Photographers Guild. Um, so I put the work forward in those cases. Um, the other award that I won um, was um, the Great Outdoors Awards in 2013, and, and one of my books won, won the, I think it was Outdoor Book of the Year Award. In that case, that's a reader's award. So readers put forward some suggestions, and then there's a, an online vote, basically. So oh, wow. that was how that, that one came about. That must feel nice, hey? Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. It's one thing to, be, uh, to win... To win an award based on what your your peers feel is good writing. I mean that, that's that's great in itself, but uh, it's a completely different kettle of fish when you win a, a a reader's award. What have you sort of taken away from the awards process? Like be, be it putting an entry together or the effect that a victory has had. You know, you, you sort of apart from anything else, it, it's important to. To hold on to those things, I I have the awards on my wall, uh, in my in my office, and not because um, I have people up in the office and I want to show off to them, but simply because when you know you're feeling a bit like oh I've had a bit of a dry patch here and you know there's not a lot of new work coming in and oh, I didn't like that last feature I wrote or or, or things like that when when things are a little down then you think you, you look up at the walls and think oh yeah I've done some good stuff in the past so that, that's kind of nice it, it's that's uh, an important thing to uh, to hold on to when uh, and in, in every freelancer's career things you know that you have downturns so those awards are important in that sense yeah I like that who was I, I read somewhere recently that some somebody had a a little book where they kept all the positive feedback or, or, or it might even been an email folder, you know, but it was a little place where all the positive feedback from clients went. Oh, that's uh, a nice idea. Yeah. yeah. But they could, they could jump into every now and again when they needed to. Yeah. I get a lot of feedback from, from readers as well, which is another nice thing because, uh, I mean, when I started the walking column, I know it sounds, it sounds a bit strange now uh, because now it's all part of a, a career, you know, a, a more of a planned career but when I started the walking column it was partly because so many local people that I knew didn't go out on the fells and I thought well you know this is Cumbria it's the most beautiful part of England 
and I wanted to encourage people to get out on the fells. And so now when I get I get feedback from readers saying, you know, we love your column and we love the walks and that sort of thing, it, it, that, that actually does mean a, a lot to me. I'm imagining that, like, out of everybody I've spoken to, surely the work-life balance that we hear about <laughs> is being ticked for you, Viv. Uh, yeah, although it's, it's, it's a kind of tricky one because, I mean, when I go on holiday, I've just come back from a holiday in the Canaries, and basically it was a walking holiday, so it was a busman's holiday. Uh, it was about four weeks ago. So um, my, my work is my life, and my life is my work. So it's very hard to see the line between the two, really, sometimes. Um, but, I mean, I, I, love, I love what I do, so that's not a problem for me. <laughs> you mentioned the Guild when we were talking about awards. What is that? Is that like a trade body? What, what, what does that do? Uh, well, see, the Outdoor Writers and Photographers Guild, um, basically it's, it's a body of, you know, of people who are, well, it says what it does on the tin, really. Um, most of the members are outdoor writers or photographers or their editors working in, in the same field. So you, you, you don't get invited to join. It's not one of those. You apply to join and they look at what you've been doing and decide whether or not you're, you, know, you qualify for membership. And um, so I've been a member now for about 12 or 13 years, I think. And um, I'd say it was probably one of the best things I've ever done in terms of my freelance career, other than starting a freelance career. Because it, it's, um, I mean, there are lots of little things that it helps with. It helps me publicize my work through, through the publications and website. They have discounts for various things. They have offers of work come through the guild press trips that sort of thing um but uh, it's also helped me find a lot of work either through the contacts that i have in the guild or simply through well dare i say it the kudos of being a member um for instance a few years ago i approached this was quite a few years ago now i approached a magazine editor an in-flight magazine editor uh, with what i thought was a, a, an idea that was perfect for his magazine um, and I said to him, I said, rather foolishly, something I wouldn't do now, I said to him, I've never seen your magazine, and would you be able to send me a copy of it, please? This was alongside a pitch. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's the sort of thing you should never really do. And he got back to me and said, normally, you know, when somebody says they've not seen my magazine, I'd say, well, you know, I'm not interested in you. In fact, I wouldn't even reply to you. But because you had member of the Outdoor Writers and Photographers Guild on your, your signature on your email that made me sit up and listen. And I thought, oh, right, I'm onto something here. You know, the, the guild's obviously a good thing to join. But the other important thing about it over the years, is, and probably the most important thing, has been the, the support, the network, because every freelance operator is, is, is working in a very isolated way. You know, you, you're in your, your little office in, in your house or, or wherever, and um, you don't necessarily see people that much. You talk to people on the phone, etc. but, you know, you don't get the sort of feedback that you get in an office. You don't get people coming up and saying, oh, that was, that was really good or that was really bad. So the, the support that you have through the Guild has, has been, well, it's been invaluable. It's totally priceless, really. Just being able to say to somebody, you know, how do you do this? And, and what would you do in this situation? And just getting advice and feedback from people is, is, yeah, it's been an absolutely brilliant thing. Man, that's great to hear. 
do do they get together? Because it, obviously it's not a local, you know, it's not like a local chamber of commerce or a networking group or whatever. It, it sounds like a far broader thing. Yeah, well, it's a national body, um, and I, th- I think they have some members overseas as well. They have professional development days on a fairly regular basis. There might be two or three of those in a year. Basically workshops where you discuss either one specific issue or, or you know, two or three different topics. Um, then there are regional get-togethers, which are more a social thing every every few months. Um, and there's the annual annual gathering, which is, is an AGM basically, but it's an excuse to just get together and... and uh, and chat really, and uh, and they have we have the awards ceremony as well. Then that's uh, so yes, it, we do see people, and that's one of the things that when I first got involved with the guild, <clears throat> that I realised that was important was to actually get along and meet people, and and through that I've received quite a lot of work, you know, from editors basically, um, you know, just getting in touch with with people that way. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I like the sound of a learning element to it, you know, like the almost mentorship, mini mentorship sort of uh, side of it. That's great. Yeah, yeah, there there is an element of that going on, yeah. Okay, now I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself (laughs) and ask you to make (laughs) two true, one a lie, and let me figure out the lie. What have you got for me? Okay, then, right, first of all, um, amongst, uh, I said earlier on, I've written about 18, 19 books. I've actually lost track. But amongst them is a book about Beatrix Potter. So that's number one. Uh, number two, I once had to interview a speleologist in a cave 300, 300 feet beneath the Yorkshire Dales. <laughs> and number three, I used to edit a magazine called Footwear Business International. <laughs> Yeah, I love those trade magazines. I love the fact they exist. Maybe, maybe. Like, <laughs> there, there are a lot of them. Cave, cave. That could be, these could all be true. Which is, I don't know. You didn't do a book about Beatrix Potter. I did actually. In fact, <gasps> it's still being printed at the moment. Is it? So that is true. Yeah. Oh, isn't it some anniversary this year as well? That's that's why I did it. Actually, it was the the National Trust approached me about eighteen months ago and asked me to do. It, it's just one of the little guidebooks. I think it was ten thousand words or something like that. Um, so yeah, that that is true. That one. Nice. Yeah, it's it's the one hundred fiftieth anniversary of her birth yeah. this year. Um, okay. Well, so you you weren't the editor of Footwear Business International. No, I was. Oh man, for I'm three rubbish years, at this. Steve, three years. So you, the cave was totally made up. It was the cave, oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, Footwear Business International just sounds like a complete lie. It's, it's, it's FBI as well, you think. Oh, yeah. mm, that's not going to be real, is it? <laughs> but it is. I can assure you. Oh, it was, anyway. I don't know if it still exists. If you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would it be? Well, to be honest, I, I don't really have any regrets about, about the way my career's you know, panned out. I, I really enjoyed myself. Um, but I guess one of the things I would probably say is that I'd need to concentrate a little bit more on pricing and making sure that um, I put my prices up on a regular basis. I mean, a lot of the work I do is, is for fixed rate jobs anyway, so I don't really have a lot of choice. But where I do fix the rates, I tend to let it get away from me. And it's sort of three or four years down the line, I think, Ooh, I've not put that up in years. Um, and, and if you then leave it that long, um, editors are always a little bit shocked when you say, you know, I'm going to put up my rates. And they say, oh, 
are you sure about that? You know, I've not done it for five years or whatever, so so I need to. Uh, but if you do it on a regular basis, they just get used to it. If you, you know, very small amounts on a regular basis. Yes, yeah, small little increases instead of the instead yeah, of a rather big than one. a whopping great five percent or ten percent every five years. Yeah, that's funny. We had copywriter Laura on just a, a few episodes ago, who who had forgotten to put her her rates up for six years, and it was <laughs> it was her only her accountant in the end who pointed this out to her. <laughs> uh, so you're not yeah you're not the only one it, is it is it tough to know like what the going rate is if you see what i mean because if if you were a web designer it, you can research or videographer or whatever it, those sort of trades you can kind of get a feel for it by doing a little bit of web research but i imagine it might be harder f- for what you do uh, well, it differs quite a lot. Um, I mean, that's one thing. But there there are ways to... You, you can't exactly find out what everyone's earning. But, um, I mean, the NUJ has a freelance um, journal that they put out uh, on a monthly basis, which, which has some rates in it. Uh, just, you know, just sort of ad hoc things. You know, this is the rate that this person's been getting for this job. And, and people... People do tend to, uh, some writers do t- do share information as well, so to, to make sure that um, uh, we're not being um, screwed. <laughs> NUJ, is that National Union of Journalists, is it? That's right, yeah. Brilliant. Links to Viv's site and her work and everything that she's up to at beingfreelance.com. Go take a look there. You can listen to previous guests as well. Uh, Join us on Twitter, reach out to Viv and keep an eye out for her books. You'll probably see, especially if you're up in the Lake District, no doubt you'll suddenly (laughs) see her in in numerous of shops and, uh, and, and think of that now. Viv, thanks so much and all the best being freelance. Great. Thanks a lot then, Steve. 